tennis in the early 2000s was dominated by two names, Federer and Nadal. Federer was ranked number one in the world and had won 48 straight matches on grass. Nadal, ranked second, had won a massive 72 straight games on clay. Both players dominated on their favourite surface. But how do you decide who's the best player in their fierce rivalry? With a -a one-of-a-kind, two-surface tennis court, of course. I'm Aaron Payne, and this is Cheeky Tales. Well, welcome back, boy. Episode three. It's a bit lighter than your topic last week. Yeah, I do apologize for that, but I just I just found it was so interesting. Yeah. The Battle of Midway, like in those things that just happened. It, yeah. Well, this is this is not as heavy as that. No, it's tennis. This is tennis, which I thought you'd be interested in having played it as a child. Uh, what is your, what's your claim to fame in your tennis career? My, my actual claim to fame is I got one match away from a wildcard entry into the Australian Open. Okay. Don't you have a story about beating a recent Wimbledon winner? No. I never played Ash Barty, <laughs> even though we played in the same area. <laughs> I've got no idea what I'm remembering. Oh, no, that's Charlie. Charlie, who plays in our indoor cricket team. Oh, did he? beat her in something else. Yeah. Oh, in cricket. Because she did play cricket. Yeah, I, did, have I have seen things where she was yeah. uh, into the- uh, I don't know who told me that Brisbane story Heath. or what it was, but- No, my, my claim to fame is the, the, the one match away from a um, wild card into the Australian Open, and I was yeah. beaten by the Gooch. Great name. I can't Graham remember Gooch. his- No, I can't remember his, his nickname. Was the, it was like Gucciani or something like that. Okay. So, yeah, but I did play tennis for- Ooh, it would have been almost close to 10 years. Okay. So, yeah. Lots of experience. Mm, so I'm never, I've never actually heard of this though. Yeah. I hadn't either. You know, I, YouTube is a wondrous place. And if you watch enough videos, you will eventually be presented a video, which you, you just look at and you go, what, why would I be, why would I care about this? Turns out cult tennis on, uh, on YouTube put together a great video that grabbed my attention on this topic and absolutely made me want to tell you. So here we go. Let's go. Episode three. We're both comfortable now. We've done an episode each. All right. Let's, let's go. Let's go. Let's, uh, let's see if we have some good rallies back and forth. Oh, boo. <laughs> That's it. Cancel the podcast. Sorry, Raycon. No sponsorship <laughs> for you. Sorry. I, just, I was just talking about how I slipped in a joke in episode one and you never got it. Yeah. I edited the whole thing. Listened to it about 18 times. Missed the fact that he said, float me away with your tail. Yep. So I thought I'd make, balloons. It, I'd make it a bit more obvious this week. Yeah, well, that was painful. It was painful. I, I do regret it. <laughs> no, you don't. Edit it out, please. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, no, you're not going Any to. Any mistake that makes me look dumb, no. edit it out. Oh. Any mistake that affects you, <laughs> staying in. Last week episode is going to be painful that if you don't edit those out. <laughs> <laughs> Dick Best is staying in, though. American hero. Call back. Call back. All right, let's get into it. Let's go. So, why do surfaces matter in tennis? Did you ever play on anything other than hardcore? Yes, I played on synthetic grass. Synthetic grass? Ant bed. What? Ant bed. What is that? It's ant bed. It's like compacted dirt. So it's right. a little bit different to clay. Okay. It plays very similar to um, hardcore. It's a bit... So it's not as bouncy um, right. as hardcore, but it is quicker and um, bounces more than clay. Okay. So and I, I think I had one or... I had a couple of games on grass. Okay. So... Surfaces matter because it makes the ball react differently. Correct. Right? Hard court is probably the tennis court that most people would know, which is just sort of asphalt, 
uh, or uh, concrete, uh, yeah, just they, painted. They call it rebound dice. Yep, sure. Um, hard courts generally most bouncy, fastest, right? Yep. I've got that right? Yep. Okay. What what do you have? Um, what tournaments are played on hard court? Well, like let's Grand just- Slams? The Grand Slams are the ones that I went and, uh, and looked at. You've got uh, four Grand Slams. Yep. Two are on hard court, which is the Australian ah, Open. Oh, I should say I could name them. Australian Open and American Open. Or the US yep. Open. That's right. Which one's played on clay? The French. Yeah, that's right. Oh, ho, ho. And which one's played on grass? Wimbledon. Yes. Excellent. Good job. 10 points to Slytherin. Thank you. I'm a Gryffindor, thank you. As if. I have a red beard. If that doesn't put me in <laughs> Gryffindor, I don't know what, what does. Do you, what do you reckon I am? I reckon you're a Hufflepuff. Absolute. <laughs> biggest Hufflepuff there is. Quick side note. Um, <laughs> Fun facts. Yeah, so that's your your two. That's your, your four surfaces, yep. right? So the difference between them is that. Uh, so as we said, hard court bounciest, fastest. Clay is made of crushed bricks, uh, and they cause the ball. Uh, so clay courts cause the ball to slow down, bounce higher. Yep. So pretty much players who benefit the most from this are players that like to stay behind the back line. So that's the back of the court, and hit deep shots into the other end of the court. Also called the baseline. Sure. So. It allows uh, more time to play your shot because it's bouncing higher, slower, uh, and it allows you to sort of play the court in a more wide-ranging yep. way. Then you got grass, which is obviously just grass. Mm-hmm. Uh, it causes low but fast bounce. So players who hit sweeping shots and run in towards the net to finish their points, which is Federer, they benefit yep. the most from this. Uh, so, the Australian, famous Australian who used, like, who used to like playing the net? Leighton Hewitt. He also won a Wimbledon title. Leighton Hewitt. Not Leighton Hewitt. Before Leighton Hewitt. Leighton Hewitt. Pat Rafter. Yeah, great. So to, to for, for full honesty, I, lo- I know very little about tennis. <laughs> and I know a lot. So this is very yeah. interesting. <laughs> I learned a lot in the last couple of uh, last couple of days researching this. Okay. This is going to be fun. So while, uh, while both Federer and Nadal had success on hard court, Federer would dominate on grass and Nadal would dominate on clay. The two were so dominant, even against each other, that neither had lost for multiple years at Wimbledon and the French Open, respectively. It was five years since Federer had lost on grass and 72 matches over two years for Nadal on clay. That's a, that's a very impressive win streak. That is a lot. So, like, you consider 72 matches. That's not yeah. just the Grand Slams. That's, like, everything in between that's yeah. played on clay as well. Granted, it's not one after the other. Yeah. It's just on that court surface. But that's still a good streak. Yeah. I mean, they're number one and two, right? Yeah. And honestly, at this time, other than maybe Andy Murray, I don't know a single tennis player of the early 2000s. Leighton Hewitt. Yeah, but, like, he's from our country. Like, okay. Name anyone from any other country. I've got no idea, right? Yeah, I'm, I would actually struggle to yeah. name yeah. other players. from Because it, the only people winning are Federer and Nadal. Yeah. So that sets the scene for why this event even started to happen. Now, now I'm trying to think of when like um, Andre Agassi and... That was 90s, wasn't it? When they retired, yeah. Who was the other one that was with Andre Agassi? Uh, tall Pete Sampras. Yeah, I uh, think they were 90s. Yeah, they must have been. But these, these are the players that come after them. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's the surfaces, right? And yep. why it matters, the way that it generates sort of different play styles. Yep. So you've got Federer who likes to run into the net, yep. finish the game off up at the net, and Dahl who likes to just sit, sit back, back and tonk it. Let the ball bounce, yep. Hit it. Actually, yeah, so Nadal was probably a hero of mine while I was playing tennis because he is a fellow left-hander. 
Yeah. So Southpaw. Yeah, naturally gravitated to him. Yeah. Okay. But I also liked coming into the net. So I was pretty strong at the net with my volleys and my overhead smashes. So I would play the net quite a bit too. All right. I feel like I've gone for a topic that you're going to feel like you could talk constantly <laughs> about. And I'm going to be like, mm, yes. You, okay. don't, you just don't know. Allow me to get back to the script. Thanks. This is a great episode. I'm loving it already. You're just, you've picked this, you picked this topic. I kind of picked it for this reason. Yeah. Okay. I, wanted to, I wanted to give you something that you could also dominate conversation on. Okay. Fair enough. So much like you being on clay and I'm on grass. Sure. <laughs> so it's 2007. Yep. And right in the middle of these dominant streaks uh, for these two. And there's a sports management agency called IMG that decided they wanted to make, yeah. It just dawned on me, you said 2007. Yeah. Those two players are still going. Yeah. Federer, I feel like Federer's right at the end of his career. Yeah. He hasn't played for quite some time now. Djokovic is becoming- Djokovic is basically both of them. Yeah, he's the number one in the world at the moment. Yeah, they fusion together and now- (laughs) Now you've got the guy with the worst attitude in the world. (laughs) Well, Well- yeah, I, the, I don't know. I, anyway, it's, don't it's know not a personally. tennis podcast. No. So, yeah. So, 2007, right in the middle, sports management agency called IMG saw an opportunity to create a spectacle and decided to answer the question of who would win if they played on their favorite surface at the same time mm-hmm. by creating a court that had grass on one half and clay on the other, split right down the middle at the net. Yes. My first question is this. Yep. Do they change ends like a normal tennis yes. match? Or, yeah, okay. They do. So that yeah. that would throw a spanner in the Yeah, so that was the idea, right? Is yeah. that they're having to constantly adjust yeah. and, and see who's better at what. That right? would be I imagine that would be hard having to adjust mid game to the ball bouncing differently. Not like when you're at one end that's fine, but when you have to chin change to the other end to adjust to that ball reacting that way, that would that would yeah. be difficult. Yeah. They actually had to change like they played this match under regular rules. Um, the only rule that got changed so was it's normally... Oh, they have, yeah, okay, so they have one rule change. Yeah. One rule change was that... So it's under the ATP rules or whatever the yeah. Grand Slams are. They normally only have 120 second. No, they normally only have 90 seconds when they change from one end to another. Okay, yep. They changed it to 120, so they had time to change their shoes. Oh. Because you need two very different shoe types to play. Yeah, I didn't pick yeah. up that because I just played in Dunlop volleys. My entire tennis career was in Dunlop volleys. I had one yeah, shoe... Australia, mate. Got Dunlop volleys, that's all you need. Best tennis shoe in the world. One shoe for all surfaces. You want to go anywhere? Put a volley on, mate. <laughs> want to get go on a roof? Climb up a roof? That's your shoe. Get it. Dunlop, we're available we'll for sponsorship. We'll take a sponsorship. <laughs> I will have, I will gladly do a sponsorship for Dunlop volleys. Oh, I mean, that, honestly, I, I don't think I could play tennis in any other shoe. All right. I'm, I'm not going to make a multi-million dollar exhibition match to find out. No. I'll okay. tell you that. Fair enough. I'm just saying they, they could have kept the 90 second rule if they just played in Dunlop volleys. Yeah, I'm sure they could have. <laughs> yeah, so uh, they, they got this all together. They came up with the idea. They signed both Federer and Nadal uh, and called it the Battle of Champions. So they paid them? Yeah, they were paid for this. Yeah. So yeah. It's an, it's an, no, no idea. Uh, it's actually very hard to find any information on this topic. So you looked it up? I did. I tried to find anything, okay. right? I went to page two of Google. And let me tell you, page two of Google... As little information as page one. <laughs> even like even the Wikipedia page for this yeah. is like 200 words. It's 2007. You could have just watched a video, like a, a yeah. vod of the game, couldn't you? I could have, but that's not going to give you like... Oh, what true. Like paid. what they got paid, yeah. Yeah, but it is an interesting watch. Yeah. Um, 
So the location for the match, set in the capital city of Nadal's home island in Spain, Palma de Mallorca. Okay. Um, Federer seemed to appreciate this choice, stating he was happy to be playing in Nadal's home after the pair had played in Federer's hometown previously. What, what match was that? Uh, no idea, just okay. some other exhibition. Sorry. Nothing important. Um, but apparently is- tennis exhibitions happen all the time. Do you have Federer's hometown? I actually don't know where he's from. Uh, well, he's Swiss. Other than that, no. Okay. I could look it up if you want. I'm not going to. I was just about to go into live Googling. You know what? This, Chloe will appreciate this. Yes. Chloe is someone who gave me some feedback and said, you know what? You can just Google things. Oh, he's South African as well. Ah. Okay. So having a look at uh, the old RogerFederer.com. Uh, he's from Basel in, Swiss- in Switzerland. That answers my question. Don't know where that is. How old, <laughs> Switzerland. Do, you think, how old do you think he is? I would say he would be early 40. So I'm going to have a stab at 43. He's 39. That was going to be my other guess, to yeah. be honest. I went with, I started with 39 and went, nah, he's a couple of years yeah, older so than he's that. Just about to turn 40. But an old tennis player. Yep. He's an old boy. Old boy. I mean, not really. Like 40 is still pretty no, young. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Federer seemed to be pretty happy with that. I mean, and um, he's had a great career. Let's, oh, yeah. let's be real. Yeah. Legend of the sport. Have you got stats on how many Grand Slams and et cetera that he's won? I can find it. 20. 20 Grand Slams? Yeah. And other titles? I do not want to get that deep into. Okay. Search. So, yeah, the Grand Slams are your Who's Wimbledon's. taller? Aaron Payne or Roger Federer? Aaron Payne. Roger Federer. Oh, really? By two centimetres. Yeah, okay. So, he's taller than he looks. Yeah. There you go. Because Nadal's And that's sure. irrelevant information to anyone. It's just a fun game I've been playing at work to piss everyone off. Okay. Hmm. And I'm, I'm pretty sure Nadal's pretty short. Let's find out. I'm going to say he's in the 160s range, maybe 169. Rafael Nadal is exactly the same height. Really? And has also won 20 Grand Slams. He's the same height? Yeah. I thought he was short. Yeah, they're exactly the same. Wow. Okay. See, this can be fun. (laughs) Everyone at work hates it. I love it. (laughs) They're going to love that I showed up in this. (laughs) Yeah, so they're in, uh, in Nadal's hometown. Uh, and they decided to build the court inside Palma Arena. Uh, it's actually a velodrome, like a, cy- a cycling velodrome. Um, that would have been cool if they had cyclists going while the tennis match was happening. <laughs> it's really weird because, it, like, if you see any of the footage of the match, it's a tennis court with, like, stands around it with- inside a velodrome with, like, the oh, bank. Oh, right. Yeah. So- it's, like, in the middle. Yep. Yeah. So well, Tennis courts aren't very big. No. And, like, velodromes are very big, I didn't realize but yeah so like there's this velodrome around the outside it's it's cool yeah and they set the date uh for the match to be the 2nd of may 2007 uh initial feedback from the tennis world how do you think how do you think the tennis world reacted to this match i assume they loved it to me it sounds like a great idea yeah it was mixed okay (laughs) as with most things some people liked it they were like oh great this will be fun some hated it. This is a real tennis. Bro. Oh, please. Yeah. It's an exhibition match. Yep. Get over yourself. Purists. I'm saying to people from 2007. <laughs> yeah, cop that last. Get on. <laughs> so they've set the venue. Uh, they have decided when it's going to be. Got to start building it, right? So they start building this thing. Uh, it was built over 19 days and cost $1.63 million Um <laughs> While the clay side was easy to install and took very little maintenance, it is just crushed brick after all. Yep. Uh, the grass side, completely different story. Well, they got to grow the grass. 
Why do you think it might have been a, a different story? Well, because it's indoors. I was going to say, it's indoors. It's in a velodrome. <laughs> and I don't imagine there's too much dirt in the middle of a velodrome. No. So they had to build like the whole ecosystem of grass yep. inside. And it's indoors, right? In a venue that's not designed to have sunlight. They didn't sunlight. just like transplant it? You know, like drop in cricket pitches, et cetera. Like- yeah, no, they tried to uh, They tried to get it. Like I, I imagine with grass tennis courts, it's got to have some level of like growth in. Yeah. It can't just be just scoop up and put in. Yeah, I suppose um, like a drop-in cricket pitch, it's only, what, two and a half metres wide. So you could just one whole section drop yeah. it in where this is much wider. You couldn't just in layers because it would mm. come apart, obviously. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's no light. Uh, and Hydroponics, man. Get the hydroponics in there to grow the grow. Have I jumped the gun? No. Okay. Uh, it's the sunlight is the issue. Okay. So because there's not enough real sunlight, can't grow grass okay. correctly. Uh, and they're looking at this, they're looking at this grass and they're a couple of days out and they go, oh no, there's a massive grub infection oh, in the grass. Grubs. Completely ruined. No. Yeah. So they're like- Lawn grubs. I think they're like two days out. They got lawn grubs. Wow. Yeah. Um, so they very quickly had to find an entire half of a tennis court to replace within like two or three days. So they did just drop one in. In the end, what they did was they went and found a putting green supplier. Okay. Yeah, who was able to supply 400 square feet of putting green grass, which they were able to just sort of, as you said, drop in the night before the match. What, in what world is there a putting green supplier? Like, aren't they just grown at the course? I assume they are, yeah. So, did they they just go dig up some putting greens? (laughs) Like, I don't understand (laughs) how they've been able to do that. Like, who just has grass ready to go? I assume there's golf courses in, like, Abu Dhabi. Yeah, but that's in a desert. So I'm assuming they've grown yeah, but that's it to just they put tons of water on it. No, I reckon that'd be what they're supplying. Yeah. Anyway, places like that where you can't grow a nice green top for a putting green, you need to mm. import it per yeah. se. However they got it, clearly there's a market for it. However they got it? Yeah, right? They got it and they put it down. All is still not well. Long grubs? No. Okay. The grass is in. They can use it. I imagine right? putting green would play differently than a normal tennis court. Well, I mean, I feel like it's the same sort of grass, right? Like it's just got to be low cut, able to bounce. Well, I think it's different. Yeah. Well, in any case, a little bit of foreboding. It um, it wasn't up to regular standard. Oh, I bet your Federer wasn't happy. Well, uh, let's find out. Okay. <laughs> let's find out together. So you get to the day of the match. Yes. There are... Seating in there for 7,000 people, sold out. So 7,000 people get to have a seat in the grandstands. Uh, on TV, however, was an estimated audience of 200 million people to well, watch this exhibition tennis match. May 2007. Yep. I never watched it. I would So I would have been playing tennis at that time. I would imagine tennis is much more popular in Europe. And so it's a European audience. Yeah, okay. It. Yeah. But 200 million to watch an exhibition tennis yeah. match. Uh, that, that would have yeah. been when I was playing tennis. So, yeah, I'm strange that I wouldn't have watched it. Like, I wouldn't have known about it. Like, that yeah. was- Well, this is like just on the cusp of YouTube. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it was going to be a three-set match. Yes. As is usual with exp- exhibitions. Um, so, it didn't take long uh, after the game started for those watching to know that something was up. Okay. Uh, the grass side, acting real strange. Uneven bounce. Some balls are bouncing normally. Some are just bouncing low, even just rolling after they hit the ground. Dead spots. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, this made it super unpredictable for whoever was on the grass side. <laughs> so just whoever's got the most games on the clay side. Pretty much, okay. yeah. So it gave a, a very clear advantage to the player who was playing on clay because clay is still performing as it normally would. Yep. Crushed brick. So the first set goes to Nadal, 5-7. Uh, he seemed to be a lot more comfortable on the grass side than Federer did. Uh, and obviously being on the clay side, that's his natural yes. side. Like preferred so, side. Yeah. So he uh, he reacted well. Uh, Federer, inconsistent and struggling uh, is how it was described. Uh, and it looks it too. The, the bits of the match that I watched, the first, he's all over the place. He's, uh, you know, missing shots. I find tennis is a momentum game as well. Once you get yeah. on a bit of a momentum, a bit of roll, that they can carry on and uh, it, you know, it does affect your game. You, as well as the other person playing well, uh, it's also yourself in your own head. Like yeah. being able to break that, um, like the momentum and stuff and yeah. be able to get back in the game yourself to start doing the basic things right. Uh, and then working on that. Like once you get, like you might have a couple of unlucky shots or they may play some really excellent shots. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's it's very gladiatorial tennis, I find that. Like, because you're just, you're in a court. Well, it's one-on-one. It's one-on-one, yeah. you're smacking balls at each other. Well, that's exactly what happened. In okay. the second set, Mr. Number One in the world, Federer, he, uh, he adapts and he comes back. Um, and while the grass is still handicapping whoever's on that side, um, he was able to win 6-4. Federer is known for doing that. He is yeah. known for buckling down, getting back in the game. So yeah. that's why he's number one. Because what I was just saying, breaking the momentum, getting out of your own head, getting back to basics and resetting, very good at that, Federer yeah. is. Yeah. So he wins that second set. Yes. Um, what becomes clear in this set as well, though, um, is that this is no ordinary exhibition match. Uh, these two take it very seriously. They're going hard out. So I don't know if you've seen tennis exhibitions before where it's like, oh, here's the world's best playing against 12-year-olds or, you know, they're doing a mixed doubles and they're commentating while they play. Yeah, I've seen a few of those, yeah. Yeah, where they're just sort of like tonking it around. Yeah. Everyone's having a laugh. Yeah, these two are going hard. They're like deep in the set, like smacking these balls around if you're each not, other. You're not playing it. You're playing it's number one versus number two. Of course they're going to go hard. Yeah. Like it's not like Federer's playing a 12-year-old. Yeah, so very different setting to a usual exhibition yep. though it's not just like oh this is a fun time it's like it yeah. would have been a great match there's no pressure of a grand slam title or anything yep. like that it's just an exhibition yep. match they can yeah they could probably go a bit harder than normal mm. so it meant something yeah which is it's what you wanted to see right like yeah. the the theory is let's see who's best if they can be on their own preferred side and it that's what people got they got to see even you know the grass aside they actually got a chance to see this mm-hmm we move on from the second set. We get to the third set. Uh, deciding set. Deciding set. Um, it's dominated by some newly developed strategies as both players used the variable conditions of the court to their advantage. Ooh. Um, so it was well fought. Both players won uh, six sets. Into Sorry, a tiebreaker? Six games. Uh, yeah, into a tiebreaker. Into a tiebreaker. Now, do they have the rule where it goes into a tiebreaker in the third set or they keep playing games until the... Because there's a grand slam rule in the fifth set, there's no tiebreaker. So it did go into a tiebreaker. Okay. Yeah. So it's not Grand Slam rules. No. Okay. Um, so it goes into the into the tiebreaker, uh, and Federer was able to survive multiple match points, uh, but Nadal did eventually take the win in very fitting manner for the uh, the court and the difficulties it had had. Yep. Um, with the last shot just sort of dying, oh. <laughs> Federer just like Ugh, plays at it. 
pings it off into the stand somewhere oh, and everyone's done. That's unfortunate. It, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Um, thankfully, after the match, both uh, both players were sitting down together having a laugh. So while they were taking it seriously while they're out there, had a great time together. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Um, so that was the match itself. What was the points for the tiebreaker, by the way? You didn't, you didn't give me a points for the tiebreaker. Uh, I think it was 10-8. Okay. Oh, no, 11-9. Okay. No, 10-8. Yeah. So 10, de- decent tiebreaker. Yeah. So it went on for a little bit. So yeah, it didn't really answer the question uh, because obviously the grass side was rubbish. Yeah. But even though it was kind of even and, and well fought, it did kind of uh, result in possibly some some outcomes down the line. While the match was a win for Nadal, uh, just weeks later at a clay court competition on the ATP tour, Federer was able to beat Nadal in the final to end Nadal's win streak, which had ended at 81 wins. Bit of payback. Yeah. So yeah, just weeks later, takes the win. So does the loss on that court count as a loss for Federer on grass? No. <sighs> Exhibition match. Disappointing. <laughs> um, Nadal uh, then went on the next year to win Wimbledon, Wimbledon against Federer, which ended uh, Federer's own streak on that surface. Ooh, so, a bit of back and forcing. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So within the year, they'd both beaten each other and on ended their, those yep. year-long streaks. So it's just raised the question again, who's better? Cause- exactly. <laughs> yeah. So this match that was supposed to answer it just kind of- Created another question. Started it all over again. <laughs> Yeah, so there was there was talk of a second edition of the Battle of the Surfaces, uh, with Palmer Arena even signing on uh, to do it. Did it happen again? Progressively for the next two years, never happened again. Oh, completely dis- fell through. That's disappointing. Yeah, there was also an announcement of a second event in 2016 featuring Maria Sharapova and Garbine Muguruza. No, not- that name I've absolutely mustered. Yeah, probably, but not Sharapova in an indoor event. That echo would be terrible. <laughs> well, this was after she'd been banned for the illegal substances too. Oh, so, I forgot that. Yeah, happened. it was supposed to be during the um, supposed to be during the ban. Yeah, but um, it never happened again. That's disappointing. I'd, yeah, let's start a hashtag. Well, no, let's get a what is it? Petition.org. Change.org. Change.org. No, let's get a change.org go, going. Audience of however many people are listening to us about getting this event to happen oh, again because I want to watch it live. I want it to happen again. Federer's last match against Nadal on a mixed court. Yeah, I wonder if the, like Nadal's still playing all right. Actually, let's step it up one. Let's have each quadrant the different. So you have clay and rebound ace with grass and... That sounds awful. I've blanked on the last surface. Well, there's only three. There's four, isn't it? What's that rubbish one that you were talking about? Ant bed. Dirt. Yeah. Is there only three? I thought there was four. No, only three. Oh, well, that's- Asphalt or concrete for hard court. There goes that theory. Yeah. Anyway, um, despite the large viewership of that, uh, of the Battle of the Surfaces... Um, yeah, not really well known, even within the tennis world. Um, yeah, aside from the fact that there's videos of it, a lot of people would not believe that it had happened. Yeah, well, I might YouTube it when I... It's pretty cool. Like, yeah. the, the contrast of the grass on one side. I was going to say, because it's, it's like a reddish yeah. brown and yeah. green. Like, mm. even just that would be... Yeah. I actually read, um, you know how clay is always that orange color? Yeah. This was another video on this on this website, I think, uh, on this um, YouTube channel. There was a push to do blue clay. Okay. Because blue, the way that the ball looks against the blue is like nicer. All right. Yep. That's why cl- uh, hard courts are usually blue. The rebound ace is usually yeah. blue. Yeah, right. And so similar to the grass in this, uh, changing like just that basic thing, like actually dyeing the, the clay yeah. makes it just absolute awful. Rubbish, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. Like, okay. It's not, it, it's got a different um, reaction. It doesn't 
react well to water. Um, sliding on it happens a lot more. It's a lot less grippy. So like- okay. It's funny how those little changes dramatically- Yeah, just putting dye in it. Yeah. And apparently it ruins it. Yeah, so that's the story. Uh, yeah, a little lighter than, than last week. A little, little bit shorter this one. Again, apologies well. for such a heavy topic. Oh, don't worry. Yeah, what do you think? It's Like I said, I've never heard of it and it's very interesting. Mm. I'm so happy you picked a topic that I'm so well versed on. Yeah, I look forward I can, to you doing that for me one time. Could, yeah. Have you heard the story of Apollo 11? Like, yeah, I've heard, <laughs> heard a bit. <laughs> a few Google searches. I'm going to do a space story and you're just going to absolutely blow me out of water for knowledge. Yeah. That's good. That's It's interesting. Yeah. So, All right. Well, that's uh, that's mine done. Uh, up to you for, for episode four. You got an idea in mind? Uh, I do. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to go something a bit lighter since, like you said, we had such a heavy- Such a heavy one last week. I keep coming up with uh, old- I keep seeing like old war stories and I'm, yeah. I want to get away from too many war stories, but there's- yeah. I'm going to be honest, There's there are a lot of just amazing stories out of the wars. Yeah. I'm thinking of doing a, like a conspiracy one next. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah. yeah be, like some. a mystery, like a, an actual mystery or yeah. just a conspiracy that's- Just a, a, like a mystery-ish one. Okay. Yeah, yeah that'd be cool. I got, like I said, I'm going to try and hit something a bit lighter. Mm. Um, I've got an idea. I'm going to have to research and see if I actually want to follow it and see cool. what I can get out of it. But yeah, that'd be great. All right, well- We'll see you next time. Yeah, see you next Thanks time. Thanks for joining. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Square, square, square space. <laughs> Play sponsors. Little bit. Little bit. Did you... Notice the little joke I chucked in there that never actually got appreciated when we were recording. Which one? Float me away with your cheeky tail. Float me away. I did it. Oh, yeah. I hear that now. <laughs> you, did, you never noticed <laughs> it, did now, you? Now that I hear it, it's very obvious. What? Yeah. Float me away. What do you mean? Now that you hear it's it. balloons. Well, like I heard it. Oh, but you didn't get it. Yeah. I thought you were just being a weirdo. No. <laughs> it was the balloons. Little, little joke in there that <laughs> didn't hit. Yeah. I mean, you got me. Little bit. Little bit. So yesterday uh, we pulled the kids out early to go see Olivia Vivian yep. at the new Ipswich place. So I left work early, parked my car, messaged Kirsty, and I'm like, oh, yep. where shall I meet you? Oh, God. If you said coffee club, I swear to God. Kirsty replied, coffee club, but there's no one here, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, so I just like, whatever. I, it's just- I went up the elevator because I parked down near the River Heart, in the River Heart parks. Yep. Went up the elevator. Elevator. The elevator yep. to meet Kirsty, and up she was the there. Anyway, nothing happened of it. Yeah. Uh, Kirsty went out later that night. Okay. To take the kids to kids club. Yep. I'm sitting there cooking dinner. You're cooking dinner. That's a that is actually rare. Not anymore because I've got to do it Tuesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays now. Yep. Cooking dinner. Cooking the dins. And that day at work, I was talking to the guys at work here. We don't have coffee in our house because neither Kirsty or I and or I. Yep. Drink. You're coffee. not coffee drinkers at all. No. But we do have a jar for when people come over and they request it. So I was thinking about that. Thinking about your jar of coffee. Because Kirsty had mentioned the coffee club. Yep. I'm like. The worst coffee. I'm like, oh my God, I just got the joke she got. This was five hours later. I go, holy <laughs> shit, I just got the joke she said to me yeah. that afternoon about coffee club and their tagline being, where shall I meet you? Where shall I meet? I did not get it at the time. Yeah. At all. You know what else is I a good joke? I felt like an idiot. You know what else is a good joke? Coffee Just club. the coffee club in general. <laughs> the worst coffee. Sponsor us. <laughs>
<laughs> oh, if they want to sponsor us, go ahead. I don't think they will. Manscaped. You're just going to chuck out random <laughs> companies space. that you've heard of sponsoring podcasts just to right. hopefully you get one. Little bit. Little bit.